Well, let's grab this morning. We'll get to the book of Genesis, actually. The book of Genesis. I'm going to kind of lead you over there from the book of Revelation. How do you like that? Genesis chapter 18 is where we're heading this morning. If you recall from last week, as Dr. Shaw was preaching, uh, the church of Thyatira is the last church. Both Philadelphia and Thyatira, there's an image given uh, to both of them. In Philadelphia, he says, I've set before you an open door and no man can shut it. A beautiful, powerful illustration about our opportunity, and Dr. Shaw referenced that in his message. Uh, Thursday morning in the discussion on Thyatira, he, he came, he was preaching away, and you know that, he was going at it, so he never really concluded uh, with verse 20 there in Revelation chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 3, um, and he says, I stand at the door knock, most of you know that, um, and we have probably erroneously been told that that's talking about, you know, that he's wanting to come in and save their soul, well, that's not the picture at all, it's talking about fellowship, so he says there in Revelation 3 verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now remember, Thyatira, what was the problem? Or I'm sorry, did I say Thyatira? Laodicea. I meant Laodicea. If I said Thyatira, just I'd cut that all out. And then Laodicea, we're talking about Laodicea, all right? The last church, the church that was lukewarm, all right? God wanted to spew them out of his mouth. And he's offering, he wants them to be right with him, to walk with him. So he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. We don't use that word too often anymore. Hey, will you come sup with me in the D.C.? Um, we don't say it that way, but it's the idea of sitting down for fellowship. Now, it's not just eating together. That's actually just uh, the, the impetus to sit down together and fellowship. Um, it is a part of human nature. I would like to think it's a part of American culture, but having traveled a number of places in the world, it's just true. If you're going to have any kind of good fellowship, we, we somehow fellowship over food. Uh, it's just we're wired that way. And what Christ was inviting the Laodicean church to was, listen, you're out of fellowship. You're not walking my path. You're not walking with me. So let me, then let's move. We often think in analogies and pictures of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, one of the most precious psalms that we think of, Psalm 23. The Lord is my, what? Shepherd, right. What a beautiful picture of his leadership and his care and so forth. Uh, later on, actually in verses 5 and 6 there of, of Psalm 23, the analogy changes, goes to the host. He's our host, and he sets before me, even in the presence of my enemy, a wonderful feast. Um, we think of, in the, in the New Testament, uh, we think of the Lord again. He's talked about our shepherd, our life, our light, um, we often understand the analogy of master, and we want to submit to him and follow him, serve him. But Revelation 3 gives us a unique picture, something that, at least for me, I don't know, I trust it's probably the same way for you. We don't think of our relationship with the Lord this way often, and yet it's a truth that we need to grasp because it'll help me walk with him better. The picture is, I'm supposed to invite him into my life as a guest. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Would you please open? And I'll come in and we'll have fellowship. Now, I'm going to pick on Charlotte Cedarholm today. She graciously invited us to her house yesterday for Sunday lunch, plus several other. Well, uh, Charlotte Cedarholm and I have something in common and actually, it's really not in common other than the fact that we both have very Swedish heritage. Now, as you know, Charlotte was adopted. 
So she's not, in a sense, a true Swede in that sense, but she grew up with Dr. and Mrs. Cedarholm, and Mrs. Cedarholm was one that absolutely loved all of her Swedish heritage. Did you realize that Mrs. Cedarholm would often speak in Swedish in the home? That's, that's how rich and full it was. So Charlotte would relay, can relay stories about uh, her mom and talking with another Swede, and Dr. Cedarholm didn't know Swedish. And I know that Mrs. Cedarholm was having a ball talking to this preacher in Swedish, and Dr. Cedarholm had no clue. All right. That was Mrs. Cedarholm. She, she had this uh, feisty wire about her. Anyway, um, and so yesterday we step into the home, and the meal was all Swedish, except for a salad that was brought by the Wetzels. I don't know what their problem is. Anyways, it was still good. All right. <laughs> all right. Even the dessert. And I am, I, am, I am soaking it all in because those flavors are familiar to my tongue. And it leads me to one, we, I, had, I had a delightful time yesterday at lunch. I don't know if anybody else did, but I did. Charlotte and I, now we were in college here together, all those things, uh, Calvary together, all those guys, anyways. So there's a, there's a long relationship, but we, you know, we haven't been together a lot over these many years. And she invites, it's like, this is glorious. I'm loving this fellowship. Do you ever consider asking God, Christ, into your life as your guest, as he's, he's your guest? Now, what would you do? Now, let me, let me this is what, now, so now we're going to jump to Genesis 18, because it really did happen one time. Abraham is going to entertain God and two angels, a Christophany. Christ was there, the two angels, he's going to entertain them. Now, I wish I could tell you the whole story because the story of Abraham in the book of Genesis is a story of building relationships between Abraham and his great God. Uh, several years ago, I preached for, for baccalaureate and tried to, tried to remind the students, because they don't have anything to take notes on, about this wonderful relationship that Abraham had in a conversation with God as God is giving him the stars to remember that he's He's a great God, and he will give him, give Abraham, a wonderful heritage in his children. It was a beautiful picture. And at that, in that chapter, that's chapter 15, um, Abraham and God have a conversation. Well, that, in my mind, as a New Testament saint, yes, I'm supposed to read the Bible, I'm supposed to pray, uh, but I don't know about you, but sometimes that's, there's, there seems to be a distance. Is that true for you? Or I'm talking to God, but it's not like I'm, you know, I was talking with Dr. Davis on the way here. We're both miserable with colds. Thank you for sharing, whoever gave it to us. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the fellowship, but didn't like that share. Anyways, all right. So we're, we're commiserating. But it's like, I, I, often in my life as a Christian, I don't think of God as my guest, as someone who's right there. We should, but we fail to do that. And so the picture here of Abraham Treating God as his guest is very, a very teachable moment for us. In light of especially as we think back to Laodicea and Jesus saying, please, would you let me in? Could I be a guest in your life? So let's begin reading in verse number one, uh, Genesis 18. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Um, so noonish time, this is a time of rest, very typical in hot climates where you, you, know, you have your, we would call it the siesta, all right, a break in the middle of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. Uh, you know, did he need glasses? 
it's like all of a sudden, there they were. He was like, oh, they're coming from afar. No, he looked up and there they were. There's three men. Um, I wonder, and by the way, I think that that's probably a clue. Let's keep on reading. Um, And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, my Lord. It appears as though Abraham's relationship with God was so rich at this point already that he recognized in physical form Christ, God. What was it about those three men? I, I, I don't know for sure. It seems to be a startling, I was like, there's three men. He runs out to meet them. And then he's, he uses this phrase, my Lord. And some of the, we, we know from how the Jews uh, scribbled down the scriptures, all right, inscribed the scriptures, the vowel pointing there gives us a clue that they were thinking that this was God too. They, they sensed that Abraham sensed this, this was the Lord, not just someone traveling by. This was something unique. So what does he do? All right, so we recognize that Abraham recognizes this is the Lord. The Lord's coming to his tent. He said, verse three, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray thee, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel, a bit, a piece, a fragment, a morsel of bread and comfort. This is a very humble statement. It's very interesting because he doesn't do this. He goes all out, in fact. I'll fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. He said, this, you, you've come here so that I could fellowship with you, so that I, I could treat you as I would like any great guest. And what did God say? He and the angels with him, so do as thou hast said. Young people, every morning, I like to start there because that's when I, we wake up. Every morning, the Lord is waiting for you. He just wants you to invite you in again. We'll invite him in again. Come, come, come. Can I come into your house? Can I come into your life? Can we fellowship today? He, he will never turn away the believer that says, I would, like, I would like you to come into my life today. So do. He was glad. Now, did God need nourishment? I, no. <laughs> Neither did the angels. I wonder what they had that morning um, for breakfast before they came to earth. I, I'm sorry. Can you run with my analogy here a little bit? All right. I suspect that the best that Abraham could offer wasn't anything like they got in heaven that morning. And yet they were glad. They were glad to fellowship with Abraham. So let's keep on going. Abraham hastened, verse 6, into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal. Now, this is not like make a little batch. It's probably around 20 quarts. Now, guys, you, you and I don't have any... Well, some of you guys. Some of you guys are really good cooks, but some of us guys, we just have no clue. 20 quarts of bread? This is like a feast and a half. I mean, it would serve every, an army. <laughs> no, all right, three measures of fine meal. Knead it, make cakes upon the earth. Now, Sarah is not going to do this by herself. It's very apparent. This is going to take the entire household of Abraham getting involved. This was a big deal. He goes on, and Abraham ran under the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto the young man and he hasted to dress it. Now, it was always proper protocol 
Uh, we talked about this, remember when we saw the, the parable of the friend at midnight. Proper protocol, always feed people. But Abraham is going over the top here. Um, he wanted to take care of them, but fresh meat for a meal was actually rather extraordinary in that day. He, he, is, he is doing, it's like he's rolling out the red carpet for the Lord. He wants the very best. And he took butter, now that probably is the word, it's a milk product, curds, all right? So I, you know, I'm sorry, my silly mind, I'm thinking, this is like, you know, a hamburger and cheese curds, it's like, this is like Culver's. <laughs> I think it was better than Culver's, but I like Culver's. Anyways, so he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. I want, he, he wouldn't even eat with them. He's going he's gonna to be a host. He's going to be top-notch host. He's going to be right ready to serve whatever their need is. Now, we know from earlier, by this point, their feet had already been washed. They were, I'm sure, sitting on some kind of rug, blanket, under the tree, and, in, and you know, there's a few trees in the wilderness. They get the shade. He's doing everything he can to treat them well. And they said unto him, verse 9, now, here we, come to, here we come to start seeing what's going on and this relationship that God has established with Abraham, and Abraham is willingly inviting God into his life. Where is Sarah thy wife? And he, that's Abraham, said, behold, in the tent. And he, God, said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Now, a part of the previous story back in chapter 17 as God reestablishes the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham in chapter 17, Abraham in that chapter laughs. God, you'll give a son? Now, remember, Ishmael is already on the scene. In fact, chapter 17, we have his age. Ishmael is 13 years old. And he reestablishes the covenant. They have circumcision. And Abraham says, are you going to give me another son by Sarah? And he laughed at that moment. It appears in that moment, though he had been given the promise of the Abrahamic covenant in chapter 15, his faith was faltering a little bit. God in his grace says, Abraham, come on. No, it's true. My word will always be true. God's word never fails. Our word does, not his. And so Abraham is encouraged and prodded along. Now notice here we come to chapter 18. And it was really critical in God's mind, it's a very apparent, that not only that Abraham grow in his walk with the Lord, accept his word, act in faith, believing that he would have a son by Sarah, but Sarah needed to believe too. And so he's turning his attention for a moment. This relationship with Abraham has effect on others, specifically in his own home with his wife. So he says, as he said in verse 10, I will certainly return unto thee, According to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in years, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. She couldn't bear children naturally anymore. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? I, I, I readily admit I don't 
fully and understand the heart of a mother. But God points it out frequently throughout Scripture. The joy and delight that children bring to a mother is, is a unique and a God-designed relationship. Paul uses that very illustration to talk about he, how he cared for the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. He loved them and nurtured them as a mother does. That's, that's on, Sarah, Sarah says, I could see her in her mind just kind of arguing, God, uh, you know, that, okay, don't, don't even tempt me to think about those thoughts anymore, God. That's gone. It's past. It's not in my life. Um, if I can, with some tenderness, tell you the story of Sue Stevens. Some of you may remember her. She taught here for a while. Sue Hermes was her name for 65 years. And then this man comes to Maranatha, Marv Stevens, Dr. Marv Stevens, and teaches in our science department here. Um, I guess that happened before. They got married before that. When I was dating Abby, Sue was a dear family friend of ours. Uh, she taught me in the academy here. When I walked into her class as a freshman, she told me later, she says, what's this fifth grader doing in my class? <laughs> hey, I've grown up since then. <laughs> Sue called me one day. In fact, I called her. I was traveling, uh, I think, to see Abby, in fact. And uh, she said, Dave, I need to tell you something. She says, uh, I, I'm dating. And she's 65. Okay. And it was like, I laughed. I just laughed on the phone. And I, I, you know, every once in a while, this mouth just says something, and then you re realize, I shouldn't have probably said it that way, but I said, Sue, you're normal. <laughs> I mean, she'd been this godly person that, that embraced her singleness and just never seemed to be discontent with God's plan for her life. And I, that was such an example for me, especially after I lost my wife, to see her discontent with what God had. And then she said, anyways, and I could see Sarah right here doing the, it's like, God, don't, don't even, don't even. It, it, I, this can't be. I, I'm not even going to think about it because it will hurt. And yet God, on purpose, was going to do a miracle. Something beyond human ability for Abraham and Sarah. And it seems as though he stopped on purpose for, for this reason. There's another reason. We won't have time to preach that today. So that he could personally interact with Sarah. Say, Sarah, I'm the God who put the stars in space. I'm the God who's given my word. You, you, Sarah, will have a son. Now, let's keep, that's, that's all the background here. So verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? I don't know about you, but can you put yourself in Sarah's shoes for a minute? She hadn't said a word. She hadn't made a sound. God knows her inside and out. Now, that would scare me to death. <laughs> and yet, we'll see here in a moment Sarah's reaction. And let us not forget that we're just like Sarah. Way too often, we want to argue with our God. Who is our guest in our life? 
we're supposed to be hosting him, enjoying his fellowship and company, and yet when he does what is normal for him, the great supernatural work and a promise to Sarah, we have this terrible heart that wants to say no to God. Don't condemn Sarah without looking at your own heart. Now, I didn't finish what God said, and this is, we're coming to the crux of the story today. So verse 13 again, Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. It's very evident God is going to do something supernatural, above nature here, for Abraham and Sarah to give them Isaac, the son of promise, the progenitor of Jesus Christ. This is nothing insignificant. This is powerful. And God wanted Sarah to grasp his promise and say yes. Now, we don't know directly from Genesis that she did. We know it from Hebrews 11. And where are we preaching this year? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Hebrews 11, okay. Sarah believed God too. Now, it took a little bit of time. Could, could I maybe say, maybe she was a little like the Laodicean church? Luke warm in her Christianity? <laughs> and yet she willingly came to a point of saying yes to God, and God did the great work. Then Sarah denied saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he, God, said, Nay, thou didst laugh. Why do we ever think that we can get away with anything with God? And yet we do. We're terrible sinners. Now, there's the story. Now let's think. What does God want us? Why did he include this in Genesis 18 for us today? There's some significant things for Jews here. If Sarah hadn't born Isaac, there would be no Jewish nation. Okay. But is there something about Abraham and Sarah's relationship with the Lord that we can glean today? I think there is. You see, Abraham was quick and ready to invite God in. His heart was walking with the Lord, and he wanted that fellowship. There are some of you here today that you, with passion, are desiring to follow the Lord. Keep it up. Keep God close. Treat him as your greatest guest in your life. He gets the best. He gets all of your heart. You're quick and ready, like Abraham, sitting there, not eating, ready to serve. Keep it up. Isn't it interesting to see that in this moment, though, that it wasn't that Abraham invited him in, he did, but who initiated this whole interpersonal relationship? God did. He showed up. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you let him in? If I'm going to remember what God taught us last week through the seven churches, I've got to let him in, and he and I need to sit down and sup together. Fellowship, don't forget. Stay faithful to your, in your walk with the Lord. And notice Abraham's wonderful picture here. He abounded in his worship and fellowship with God. I explained it all. The, the meal that he presented, he, he didn't just go to Culver's. <laughs> no, no, no. 
It was the best. Everything was the best. He did everything he could to say, Lord, I love you. Does your life, does your life say that about your God? That you abound in your relationship with him? Could your classmate, your roommate, do they, do they know? I mean, you're around each other a lot. Do they know that your relationship with the Lord is abounding? Or do they know what your true loves really are? There's idols in your heart. Oh, let us flee them. May God know that he's always welcome in my life. And may it be seen in how I abound in my worship and fellowship with him. Now we find that with Sarah, God prodded the resistor. He said just the right thing to get her thinking. God will do that in your life too. Don't overlook when the word of God is preached. When you sit down with the word of God each day in your life, and there's something that just kind of seems to jump off the page at you, can I put it that way? This is not mystical, it's reality. Where God's word is pricking your heart, maybe convicting you to do what's right, maybe convicting you you're doing something wrong. Don't let that prod be ignored. I'm so glad. We don't have it recorded in Genesis, but I'm so glad that Hebrews did. (laughs) Sarah eventually heard the prod and said, okay, yes, yes, Lord, let your word be accomplished. And we know, obviously, and again, we're not going to go there, but when Isaac was born, what does it say she did then? She laughed. Now, it wasn't the laugh of rebellion. It was the laugh of utter joy. God, you're this good to me. I don't understand for the rest of the generations, they will Sarah, Sarah, say, Sarah is blessed. She, she got it. She heard the word of the Lord. She said, it's mine. And she was willing to rejoice in it. Uh, if you're resisting God's work in your heart, maybe he pricked your heart this past week. Stop it, please. Let God's word have its perfect work in your life. And like Sarah, say yes to it. Don't ever forget, we all have rebel hearts. So today, you may be saying yes to the Lord, and you may struggle tomorrow. Keep inviting him in as a guest. Keep hearing his word. Let him prod you. And then what does God do? Verse 14. God's promises are always true. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can I put it in in my own simple words? God is abundantly capable to do his will. It's like that's a duh statement. Of course. But do you believe that? Do you live in the reality of the fact that God is abundantly able to do all that he thinks, all that he says, his perfect will, his good will? Now, what's our job often? Well, Romans 12. We study, we work at, we let the Spirit of God direct our thinking from the Word of God so we understand His good, acceptable, perfect will. It's our job to be a student of His will. And it's recorded for us in His Word, isn't it? Get at it, get at it, know it, love it, and live it out. 
You're at a critical point in your life. I know that. Many of you are making decisions about what you'll do for the rest of your life. Can, can I ask you to use this analogy to help your thinking? Instead of you trying to figure out what you should do tomorrow and next year and next year, would you invite God into your life, let him be a guest, and let him, at his good time, in his good way, direct your steps? You say, well, it seems like he doesn't, it's like he's not in a hurry. Okay, welcome to life. Sarah was 90 when she had her baby. God's ways are good, always, and you better believe it. Because in that fellowship, you'll know and find God's will. May we, like Abraham, invite Christ to be our guest. He's standing at the door of your heart, knocking. College student, will you let him in? Let's pray. Father, a simple picture, and yet it's such a critical picture for us to remember and think about our relationship with the Lord. Thank you that as you finished up writing the scriptures in Revelation, you prodded our hearts to think about letting you in as a guest. And so in your abundant wisdom, you recorded a picture of that back in Genesis. Lord, may we, like Abraham, abound in our relationship with you, in our worship and fellowship, giving you what's best, giving you first place. May we, in our fellowship with you, abound. Lord, if there's some Sarahs here today, and we must all readily admit that that's true of our hearts at some point or another. Oh, Father, may we quickly submit, not resist. May we hear your prodding, and may we follow you. And with joy, rejoice in the word of God that is forever sure. Bless today. Help these young people live for you with a passion and desire that's encouraged by the word of God this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.